day to you and welcome to the Making Margin podcast. My name is Nick Foy. I'm the founder of Greenway Wealth Advisors. We're a financial planning and investment management firm based in the south end of Charlotte, North Carolina. And today is episode 51 of our podcast. And we're going to do a review of a podcast that we recorded last February, 2023. It is now January, 2024. The topic matter in the February, 2023 podcast was all about making predictions. We called it what's in store for 2023 and beyond. And what we want to do now is to revisit those predictions and find out whether or not we were correct. One of our underlying principles is that it's really hard to predict the future and we spend very little time doing that. People always try and back us into a corner though. They always want to say, what do you think is going to happen over the whatever? And they'll say, they'll hedge, they'll say, I know you don't really like like to do this, but still, what do you think? And so then you have to have something to say. So what we usually say is, I have no idea <laughs> what's going to happen. 2023 was a great example of this. Nobody predicted, at least maybe somebody did, I don't know. Very few people were predicting that the market was going to be as strong, and the market, I mean U.S. stocks or global stocks, going to be as strong as it was in 2023. And yet... The S&P 500, which is a decent proxy for U.S. stocks, ended the year up 20%-ish. What was the number? Anyone, Bueller? 20%-ish sounds pretty good. Yeah. 24%. 24. All right. So that is outside of the uh, expected number, uh, sort of the expected range for U.S. stocks. Right? Maybe not. I mean, it's within the expected range, I guess, but it's definitely higher than average. Average being sort of a bad measure of stock market performance anyway. So up 24%. I don't think many people were predicting that. Last year, the sentiment was very negative amongst experts and economists and that sort of thing. And the basis for our conversation last year was a single tweet of a single word by a gentleman named Michael Burry of big short fame, who, as Jeff mentioned, was played by Christian Bale in the movie based on the Michael Lewis book. It was a single word tweet in January of last year. He said, sell. And people went crazy over it. And then a couple of months later, he declared in another tweet that he was wrong to say sell. And by April of last year, the market was already up 8%. And by the end of the year, it was up 24%. So how did we do on our predictions? I'm going to introduce my fellow podcasters first, and then we'll talk through this process. I must start with Jen Hill, who was not uh, with us last year. She was not with Greenway yet, sadly. She is now, and her task was to listen to last year's podcast. She had to trudge her way through it. <laughs> uh, she listened to last year's podcast so that she could sort of moderate this conversation. Wouldn't you say, Jen, that's what I've asked you to do? She gave me a thing. Is that what I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want you to tell us where we were right and where we were wrong. So she listened to it. We'll play a couple clips from the podcast here, and uh, we'll be able to tell us whether we were right or wrong. So Jen is an associate advisor with our firm. Hello, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. From his home office in Huntersville, North Carolina, our director of financial planning is Jeff Eminger. Hello, Jeff. Hello to all. And from the Greenway Wealth Advisors World Headquarters, the brilliant senior advisor slash CFO, Natalie Foy. Hello, Natalie. Hello. It's good to have you all here. So first, Jen, I want you to review a little bit. Last year, what did we say? 
And then you can give us a star grade, one star to five star, how correct we were. Allie's not with us today because she's out on maternity leave, but she also made a prediction. So of those team members that are currently here, I want you to give us all a grade as far as how well we did predicting the 2023 market. Ready to go. All right. So the question was, will the Dow end the year higher or lower than where it was day of podcast, which was... 33,919. So 33,919 at the day of podcast recording. Sometime in February. Yeah. So results were mixed. Natalie, I'll start with you. You said higher and you had an evidence-based approach, right? So congrats, A++. You you crushed it. Um, Jeff. I'm glad we hired her. <laughs> I'll take my A++. There you go. <laughs> Jeff, you also said higher. So congratulations, A++. Allie, she's not here. She said lower. She uh, she wanted to, to bet opposite. So whoopsie-daisy. And Nick, you said that the Dow would end right at 34,000. So, you know, I'll, I don't want to flunk you because it was still higher than where it was, but 34,000, not quite where uh, the Dow ended. If I look back... Uh, December 29th, it ended at 37,689. So a little off there. Uh, okay. Can we just be clear? The Dow is a terrible proxy for U.S. stocks. Okay. You chose it. <laughs> <laughs> Who decided to choose 30 equally weighted companies? <laughs> All right. Let me look back at the year and see. Hold on one sec. I'm going to look at one You here. created the rules to this game. So you can't be mad that you get a C-. I have a minus. question about the grading scale. How many shrewd bucks is an A++ worth? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of don't know what that means. So I'm not sure. <laughs> We're talking white shrewd? We're talking the office? Yeah. And what's the conversion to Stanley Nichols? <laughs> Too many to count. <laughs> All right. Was anyone else... I don't think you said... Was anyone else as specific... With as I was with their prediction. No, you just you decided to go rogue. Because we your question was higher or lower. Yeah, exactly. You went against your own rules, and so you lost. You know how you talk about people want to lock us in? You try to lock yourself in. Okay, let, let me say one thing about this. I'm looking at last year's market. The Dow, what, where did I say 34? What was my exact number? 34,000? Did I when say it? Yeah, yeah. What was my exact prediction? Where was the market? Yeah. You when we said the predictions. You said it was 33,919. 33,919. Yep. Okay. If, and you guys aren't going to like this, but it's very true. If the year had ended on November 2nd, I would have been correct. It was like really close on November 2nd. But really, it was just the month of December. I, what I was thinking was that the month of December didn't count basically you kind of sound like a lot of people that tried to time the market i will do better i'm gonna do better this year okay this is why yeah. i was wrong i thought the year ended but this year i'm gonna get it right you're still <laughs> nailing the script <laughs> <laughs> that's actually pretty impressive that i was that close with only a month ago it was only december really that i was wrong about but that's a throwaway month okay so now they said higher jeff said higher i said the same Allie said lower. That's really wrong. Well, you know, it's okay. We all make mistakes. I mean, Let's pick on her because she's not here. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> Sounds good. All right. So we're going to do this exercise again for 2024. And there's a thesis out of this. I'm not going to say until the end of it. From my screen, I think we go in a clockwise direction. So I'm on the bottom right. I'm going to start with Natalie, who's on the bottom left. Should we? Should I make people be more specific this time and not just say higher or lower? No. Give me a range. <laughs> you say If you say higher or lower, give me a range. And it has to be a range. And we're doing the Dow again because it's a really good proxy for you. It's <laughs> no, it's not. What's funny is you even said in the podcast, you're like, this is a terrible measure of markets, but let's let's use the Dow. Because everybody knows it. It's meaningless. So let's just hedge. Like nobody actually followed through on this because we're telling you it's a terrible measure. All right. It's a terrible measure, a terrible proxy for U.S. stocks. Give me a range within a thousand points of where you think on December 31st. Wait, what's the last trading day? July, August, September, October, November. December 31st is a Tuesday. That'll be an early market close. Where will the Dow close? And let me give you the current, by the way. Currently, um, 37,563.71. It's down 0.35% today. So it's currently, we'll call it 37,563. We won't do the point. Will it be higher or lower? And give me a range within 1,000 of where you think it'll be at your end. Natalie. I don't have a strong conviction, which is why I would not answer this the same way for clients. Um, you know, on any given year, you have a slightly better chance that the market is going to be up. So I'm going to say higher. I don't know what is going to cause the market to, you know, go up or down this year. I think if we knew, it would already be priced in. But historically, um, the range of outcomes is also pretty wide. So I'm going to say it's going to be up. Um, It's hard to say it's going to be up a lot, but I know that's very much a possibility. Um, But let's say it's going to be up to 39,500. 39,500. Jen, did you write that down? (laughs) I don't believe you. I've got it on a sticky note and I'll keep it on my computer all year. I mean, that's a 5% increase, which is not that much better than inflation. So who knows? That's not a strong conviction. All right. There it is. Put it in, set it in stone. Next. Jeff, Jeff, I want within uh, a range of a thousand. Yeah. And where did Natalie in? 39.5? Yeah. My, my logic is the same. Like it's, a little bit better than a coin flip that the markets are going to be up than down. So I got to go with that. And uh, I'll say 40,500 plus or minus 500. That's uh, 10, 3,700. That's like 10%, right? Yeah. Something right like around that. historical average. Yeah. So we definitely won't hit that. Um, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm going to go with anyway. All right. That's at 10%. Ish. Set it in stone. Chisel right. it out. Jen. Chisel it out. Jen. I'm a, I have one more prediction to do after this, by the way. Okay, go ahead, Jen. So I had a client that always thought the best trading days were Tuesdays. So I'm feeling lucky for the end of this year. Ends on a Tuesday. <laughs> I also think it would be really fun to hit 40,000, but 
I think that it's also an election year. And so I'm going big. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go rogue. I'm going to go, uh, I'm scared. Part of me wants to go 42 because it's the opposite of 24 and we're in 2024. So I'm just going to do it. Let's do 42. Let's GBGH. Go big, go home. Go big or go home. Yep. That sounds Gucci. <laughs> totally Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now. All right, Nick. Time for your prediction. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to be entering a trance. Please do not approach the desk. <laughs> <laughs> So did I talk about Dave Letterman last year in his mom's pies? There was this segment he used to do. Natalie, please spare me this, okay? There's this segment that he used to do on uh, The Late Show with David Letterman where uh, it would be near holiday, near Thanksgiving or Christmas, and his mom, who lived in southern Indiana, would bake pies, and they would send a camera crew to her house, and she would have two or three different pies on the counter. And she's an old woman, sweet little old lady. She would have two or three different pies on the counter, covered with uh, another pie tin so you couldn't see what kind of pie it was and the job was for dave to try and guess what kind of pies mom had baked and he would say you go like this and he'd say he say, please don't approach the desk i'm going into a trance and then he'd guess the pie he'd say cherry and she'd say no david and then he'd say pecan she'd say no david and he'd keep guessing until he got one right a lot of times he didn't get it so anyway if you have youtube at your house you might want to look those up there's pretty good comedy okay I'm entering a trance, 1231. I predict without any basis behind my prediction whatsoever that the Dow will end 41,212. 41,212. Very specific. Okay, last prediction that you have to make. Last year, if we look at the periodic table of investment returns, they're already out for 2023, large US stocks were the top performing asset class in the world. Developed stocks from outside the U.S. were second. Small U.S. stocks were third. What will be, will be will U.S. stocks or non-U.S. stocks be better performer in 2024? Without any basis, there's no reason that there's no reason to think one way or the other. Natalie, U.S. or non-U.S.? This is challenging. I mean, at some point, you think there has to be a reversion to the mean, I, I would say, but that's probably not the right terminology for it. But U.S. has outperformed for the last decade, maybe 15 years, pretty significantly. And when we look at the one the companies that have most outperformed, it's large cap growth stocks like Amazon and Google and Microsoft and Salesforce. And, you know, and the question is, does that continue forever? And I don't think it does. But we've also seen some big changes in just structural um, pieces of the market that make me think they can continue to outperform for a period of time. So I don't know. I think at some point, international and emerging are going to outperform. And um, they are riskier, which suggests that we should have expected returns that are higher. Um, so I'm going to say international will outperform U.S. I might be early on that, but at some point it's going to happen. Okay. At some point it's going to happen. A stop clock is right twice a day. I like it. I think you own it all. We're going to get to that point. You can't, don't hustle past all the fun we're having. Jeff, U.S. or international? I'm going to go international. 
I go emerging markets. Oh, more specific, top performer. Love it. Okay, Jen. It's I'm gonna go U.S. on this one. Wait, it's yeah, not, it's, it's a Tuesday. Today's not Tuesday. You well, said that no, before. And last... you, you convinced me. I was like, oh, no, yeah, it's Tuesday. The last trading day of this year will be a Tuesday. Ah, I gotta go. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so, with that being said, <laughs> I'm gonna go with U.S. I still think this will be a, a strong year for U.S. But Taylor Swift is doing a lot of international shows next year or this year. Sydney, for instance. So, I mean, there's been a boost to the economy wherever she's gone. So maybe it's international year. Thanks to T-Swizzle. <laughs> Somebody should be doing some research on that. <laughs> it might be the, the next factor for factor investors. The Swift factor. As I'm entering a trance, you think you can just... You can't unmute my trance. All right. The top performer between U.S. and non-U.S. stocks will be non-U.S. Denmark will be the top performer, top performing market. If you were to break it down further. Developed. Uh, maybe uh, Denmark. Finland might have a return to the chart top. They could. But I, I thought about that, but I'm going Denmark. I thought it was going to be Miss Peacock in the kitchen with a dagger. What is that? That's what it sounds like. The, oh, it's the candlestick. Yeah. I don't know what you guys are talking about at all. <laughs> what? Clue? Oh, no, no. Yeah, I never played that oh, game. Oh, yeah. You got to find the, the culprit with the weapon in which room. <laughs> so it sounded like. Um, I hear you. Yeah, I get it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Denmark will be the top performing international. The point of this exercise is to expose in a jovial way just how pointless the exercise is in and of itself. And if you're trying this, if you're seriously making investment decisions based on this, I think you lack empirical data that shows, or if your advisor is, you lack empirical data that shows that there's any ability to do it consistently or confidently. The only thing that we said last year and that you repeated this year, it's maybe six out of 10 years, the market ends higher than where it started. And that's about all we know. That doesn't, that means it's slightly better than a coin flip. But over the long term, that can add up to a lot. And when it does out, when it does go up, it tends to be pretty significant amounts like it was last year. So the people that missed out are the people who listened to Michael Burry in January and sold and put all their money in cash. Now, cash still earned 5% last year. But that's a big miss. Uh, and the effort to time the market more often than not, uh, is likely to end up hurting investors who do that. Would you agree? But it's really hard. It's hard to have these conversations without... It happens in sports all the time. Maybe I've talked about this last year. I don't remember. Where you watch ESPN and they come up and they say... They all make their predictions about the game and they put a very specific score. And the Ravens... Uh, oh, no. It was the Eagles and the Giants last week. And the Eagles have been a pretty good team this year, although they've struggled lately. And the Giants are terrible. And everybody predicted the Eagles were going to beat the Giants because they're a better team. And they were losing 31 to nothing at one point. They were at a terrible game. And that's better than a coin flip, but only slightly better than a coin flip. But no one ever goes back and says, oh, how'd you do on your predictions to say, oh, was that any good? So if your only prediction is that, I think the market will end, and you do it every year, I think the market will end higher than where it began. That's my prediction. You'll be right about 60% of the time, or historically, if you've done that, who knows going forward. And that's pretty good to be right about 60% of the time. It's 
kind of all you really need, actually. Am I right? Nope. Absolutely. So thank you for joining me in making predictions for 2024 markets. Anyone have anything to add to that about conversations that you've had or people that try and back you into a corner to have these conversations? Yeah, it's a really common refrain given kind of where the markets have been to say like, oh, there's going to be a crash at some point. There's going to be a correction. And yeah, I think we all agree that that's on the horizon at some point. But the problem with that is you have to be right with your timing too. You can't just, um, you can't profit from there will be a correction um, because you have to have the timing right. Even in the big short, if the movie and the book are accurate to what actually occurred, Michael Burry was very close to his financial demise just because of the timing of making the prediction that he was making. And he was right, but it's just about, you know, the timing and you have to time it twice to get it right. You have to know when to get out and when to get back in and then know when to get out again and when to get back in again. It's just uh, a hamster wheel and um, not for me personally. Yeah, I think that's well said. And um, I think, you know, generally our philosophy is all known things are priced in. And so when people are like, oh, well, I think there's going to be a recession this year and all the interest rates are high and... um unemployment, whatever. Everybody is saying those things and that's already priced in. It's the things that we are not expecting that tend to lead to the biggest market corrections. And the other thing that I would add is that the cost of missing some of the best days in the market uh, by trying to make these predictions is significant. And Dimensional, who we use for a lot of funds and they have a lot of great research, they have several slides on this. But if you miss the best performing day in the market, then you're overall return is going to be significantly lower over the long run, over like a 20-year period. If you miss the 15 best days, it's you know a lot, lot lower. So why try to time it knowing that you might miss the best day or 10 or 25, which will lead to a much lower return? You have to have a lot of confidence. And the number of variables that impact the way the markets move are so great that I don't know why anyone would play that game. Yeah, I think it's good. And it's fun to sort of... Uh pontificate and make these predictions and but then actually like making investment decisions on those is a very different thing right like deciding what we're going to do with our money and it, it will have zero impact on the way that we invest our own money or at least personally or and or our clients money right and that's like the big thing is that it's fun to have conversations about it pretend like there are things that you know i can see this happening and you lay out something in your mind and tell yourself a story but making an investment decision on that is a very different thing and uh, a lot of people have trouble separating those because the people that make confident predictions look a lot smarter than the rest of us who don't make confident predictions. Even if they're wrong, we never look back and uh, actually take the time to figure that out. And the people that were right once, I'll get in my newsfeed because my algorithm knows that I read a lot of articles about investing. I'll get in my newsfeed. So-and-so who predicted the such-and-such crash says that, and they might have been right. I may have been wrong every other time, to your point, Jeff. like They might have been wrong every other time since then. But you get it right once and all of a sudden you're a genius and can basically market the rest of your life or write a book about it or whatever else on that single prediction, which is probably not necessarily repeatable. Yeah, one thing I'll add to that is um, having the opinion of it and versus actually putting money to work are very different things. And I read, Nick, an article that was in the Wall Street Journal about basically, oh, everybody got the market prediction wrong in 2023 and it's like, oh, well, yeah, we thought there was going to be a recession. There are good reasons why 
clearly that didn't happen, but here's why we're going to be right for 2024. And if you actually back up and you're like, yeah, but if people followed that advice, they missed out on this year of this 24% return. And you're just kind of like, oh, well, yeah, we still had reasons to think that was the case. But now we're right this year. And you're like, that's what people's, that's their college savings for their kids. That's their their future second homes. That's their retirement. That's, you know, all these goals that they have. These are dollars attached to dreams that, you know, if you were making these confident predictions that are convincing people to do something that they shouldn't be doing, like there's real value tied to that or destruction of value. Yeah. And they don't have to answer for that, right? People like us that sit face to face with individuals, we do. And I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that can tend to get lost in those conversations about kind of chasing the return is like, what's the goal that it's funding and how can we build something to give us the best confidence that you're going to be able to achieve whatever goal it is uh, with your money. And I think that's the most important. So it's not for ego for showing that we can make the bold prediction and get it right. It's about how can we most predictably get the result that we're looking for in our lives through the use of our capital. Yeah. And it's a, when people predict that the housing market is going to go down in a year, it doesn't mean people just like start selling their house, right? Like you keep living there because it's an asset that you're using. Investable assets, people view differently where you're like, I'm going to make a decision based on certain people's predictions or my own predictions uh, to either sell this asset or buy this asset. But the reality is like, this is a future use asset, right? That you're those dollars that are being hopefully growing over the long term, if you have a specific purpose attached to them, you know, are, are things that you're going to be able to utilize in the future. And so you're not necessarily going to sell it just because of somebody's prediction. And, you know, the biggest thing is to take on the right amount of risk for the expected time frame, right? Uh, if I'm taking on too much risk for something that I need money for a year from now, the money might not be there. And so there's a, that real risk that it's just a coin flip as to whether or not it's there. Um, so, we kind of always come back to that, that just like owning the asset over the long term that's expected to grow is a great way to build wealth. And uh, luckily, our clients do too. Uh, and we see results because of that. Um, and we see, you know, for the most part, um, you know, positive r- results as far as the growth in their balance sheets. And that's ultimately um, what we're looking for in a really positive thing. So, all right, anything else anyone wants to add? Any more predictions? You want to do? Anything I should predict? I'd add one more thing just to to kind of tie everything together. I think that everybody was just sharing and it's that we can't predict the unpredictable, but you can control certain things like you just mentioned, Nick, with risk tolerance. And Jeff, you kind of alluded to this too, savings, spending. And I think when you focus on those things and you have a solid investment plan in place, that's all you can do, right? So focusing on what you can control rather than what you can't. And um, that's what I'm sticking with. Yeah, I think that's great. All right. Well, we will be back next year to review this. And you will see. What number did I say, Jen? Did you write it down? You didn't. I did. Nick, you said 41 to 12. And then you said Denmark International. (laughs) Denmark for the win. Denmark. Boop, boop. All right. And we'll all fly to Copenhagen to celebrate. Hey, this has been lovely. Thanks so much for your time, everybody. And uh, I hope you enjoyed. And we'll be back next time to make more predictions about something. 